to the Newbie Real Estate Investor Podcast. I'm Jonathan Boyle, and this is Joey Chan. And today we're here with special guests. Freddie Nori. Anthony Kiyami. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. We love what you guys do. Big fan of it. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, guys. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourselves, uh, your, your personal side a little bit, not too much, and what you do in terms of real estate. Sure. So uh, my background is in engineering. Uh, that's what I went to college for. And I got into real estate about 15 years ago. Okay. Took an interest, started palling around with some folks who were repairing homes, flipping homes. And it's evolved since then. Uh, it's evolved to sort of where it is today with what we do. And along the way, lots of learning, lots of failures, lots of uh, mistakes. And I got to make all the mistakes, and then Freddie came in. I, he, uh, I taught him more or less, we worked together to do things the right way. For those that don't know, we're cousins. That's awesome. It's news to me too. So, I hear that. My background is accounting, but before that, I grew up with a family repair shop. Um, and I had a repair shop in Patterson. That's where I became and learned my skill set with my hands. So fixing cars, that kind of just gave me the confidence to go attack and break stuff, okay. you know, kind of what we do now. And, uh, you know, from, I left that life and went to college for accounting. Got polished for nine, 10 years doing that. On the meat side, I bought my first house, which was Clifton, two, a two family in Clifton. Uh, we bought other multifamilies together. Uh, I flipped the house mm-hmm. while I was still working in the corporate world. Yep. And then I got my real estate license as well. And then I just like the whole concept when I did the first flip of hunting the deal down, negotiating the price, doing the repairs, doing the demo. Right. Uh, finally finishing it, doing the photography, putting it on the market, yeah. and then going through the ins and outs of the highs and lows of having buyers come in, make offers, and put it on the market and sell it. So I just loved everything about that. And then in, two, that, in January 2018, I was the manager of internal audit at a company, a corporate company, and they announced that uh, the company, the, the department is gonna be outsourced. So they gave us six months to figure out what we're gonna do. Mm-hmm. And that's where I kind of got the push to leave the corporate world and just you know chase this for a little bit. Kind of like sink or swim. Sink or swim, I, I made the jump, I went all in, and I just didn't look back. <laughs> that's crazy, that actually reminds me, uh, not not exactly my story, but uh, when I was going through a divorce, it was okay. I have this much money left. What should I do? All in into real estate or get into uh, you know go into the corporate world? So I chose real estate. Yeah. So good move. Good move. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, can you guys tell us a little bit more uh, detail about your guys first flip together? To Martin Ave and Clifton. I think we came across a friend of a friend. Told you about the deal. Yep. We had, we had been talking about starting doing this. He had flipped the house by himself. Okay. Uh, I had been doing some other project on myself for a while, and we said, let's do something together. Came to me, turned to a friend, referred him to me, and said, these are honest people. They won't, they won't hurt you. Go deal with them. So came to me, talked to the fellow. Uh, it was a referral, and yeah, we started on the house. We bought it. We used the experience we had so far. Definitely two years ago till now, even though... We had so many years in real estate, you still learn with everyone for sure. And there was a lot of learning there. So just to back up a little bit, Anthony's been a realtor for 16, 15 years. He has a real estate license. Okay. He, has, he owns multifamilies. I got my license in 2016 and I, we own multifamilies together. And then, uh, you know, we both have a flip experience. So between the two of us, we have a ton of agent experience, mm-hmm. uh, project management experience, connections from contractors from doing, dealing with all multifamilies and making repairs. And then, you know, we put a little bit of investment together and bought this first. Our first three properties, uh, we bought with mortgages and then we kind of just rolled that and steamrolled that into 
you know, buying them with cash. And then this one, the, the accountant and me, we made a ton of spread. I made my spreadsheet on it. And, you know, my spreadsheets yeah, go from, you know, when I'm just looking to kicking the tires on a property, it'll go from like 15 or 20 uh, rows in the spreadsheet to when we buy it to 163 rows, just calculating every cost of every single room. Anthony, I put Anthony to sleep every night. We talk about the spreadsheet and you know, <laughs> I can hear him snoring on the other side. But at the end of the day, our numbers give us our confidence to pull the trigger. You know, if we can hit that mark of what we're looking to get, that's what gives us our confidence. We always include a budget for, you know, screw ups or upgrading or things like that nature. Mm -hmm. And that we always refer back to that. Every time we fix a project, where did we go wrong? What do we save on? And we just kind of become more efficient with that spreadsheet. And we use it, you know, every single property has its own spreadsheet. It, it's it's nauseating, really. His spreadsheet, <laughs> it really is hundreds. Of, I take a napkin and I write some numbers down, and I say I give the thumbs up, thumbs down yeah. on my napkin before I leave. And then Freddie will go and make his hundred line spreadsheet and say, "Well, point blah 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 percent is the return." And I'm like, "Okay, I'm cool. I'm within the range. My gut tells me it's a go." Right. So I go with my gut, my instincts. Freddie goes based on numbers. So. As you'll see, as we talk more and more, mm -hmm. that's sort of our dynamic. Dynamic is Anthony has a gut. Anthony uh, just knows from experience, from working with really old school guys who taught me when I started doing this. They were in their fifties, sixties, so they had been doing it for a long time. Right. And when they started, there wasn't really any books about, and there was no spreadsheets, and no podcasts. Just, there was no podcast. Yeah. It was just this is how it's going to go. Yeah. This is where you should feel. So, and that's why our dynamic works because we don't agree very often. There's a lot of discussion. There's a lot of him telling me everything he needs to tell me that I hear you, but I don't, I don't really, okay. And then me telling him stuff and he's hearing me and he's like, okay, fine. But that doesn't really drive with so me. So if he has a hunch, a lot of times I have to verify with my numbers and be like, yeah. all right, you're onto something here. So <laughs> let's see what you do and we'll take a shot at it. And, but you know, that's our dynamic. We, we get along great. We, this we're now on our 11th flip and this is number nine since we started in almost two years ago. Uh, yeah, July. July will be two years. Nice. Next so, month. Oh, wow. Back to the original question, 92 Martin Ave, I mean, uh, 92 Martin Ave, that was more of a cosmetic flip. Okay. We, we flip all single and two families. We hold on to anything three units or more. That was a cosmetic flip where we just, we went in there, did the bathroom, painted, overhauled the basement, we finished the basement and put it back on the market. And that thing was, you know, it was our first one, so a lot of ins and outs. We added the bathroom to the basement. We learned every single property we learned and we learned and we learned and we learned. Yeah, and yes. helps, it helps us create our budgets for the next property. You know, we think like things like soft costs, right? When I say soft costs, the things like, you know, our budget for closing fees, uh, real transfer fees, insurance fees, commission with to pay the buyer's agent. And you know, that number ranges from 15 grand to 20 grand where you have to learn how to build that into every property. Just before you even buy a property, you know, just gonna get 20 grand with the pay to play kind of fees. Yeah. So those always grow and we always build that spreadsheet to just kind of incorporate all that. This way when we sell the next house, we're not missing anything. Did yeah. you fall asleep when you were saying that? <laughs> no, I'm awake. I don't, uh... He knows the drill. Yeah, once you have some kids, you don't have to sleep anymore the rest of your life. No, you, I know. You just sort of in a perpetual state of, I'm listening, go ahead, tell me what you're going to tell me. <laughs> oh, I know, I have three kids. So, so. Uh, so it's... But also, example by example, job by job, you learn different ways to do things, right? And yeah. you just... The first one, I'd stay in that basement, and I would visualize in my head, the bathroom could go here. Okay, I could put a pit in the basement, I could put a pit in the ground, or I could put an injector pump. And what's the benefits? And do I not take this floor? So there's lots of things that you have to sit and think about uh, the trade-offs of this versus that and the complexity. And as we all know, cities, you wait, and now it's worse than ever. You know, like if it's above ground, city inspections, they'll look at it for five minutes, that document. If I'm putting it in the ground, I might look at it for three weeks. And carrying yeah. houses in New Jersey, not so easy. Right. So 
And, but all that doesn't come into play initially. You don't consider all those trade-offs up front. You don't consider the carrying, the thickness of the floor necessarily. You don't, just two small examples, but those are just things that time over time we've learned. Yeah. And now when we show up, we know better off. Here's, here's how this is going to play out. Yeah. Because we've seen it. Yeah, and I think some of our first flips too, you know, we have guys that will give us great prices because we use them all the time, but mm-hmm. there's sometimes we have to kind of make the call where a lot of, we call it a lot of our first flips where either we're doing a lot more of the work or our, we have one guy or two guys doing a lot of the work. So if they do two bathrooms, it might take our one guy to do two to three weeks to do those two bathrooms where we, you know, where we might pay triple the price, but it'll be done in two, three days, you know, between the tile and things like that. Mm-hmm. But we've shifted more towards that where a lot of times we used to do a lot more demo ourselves but now we hire three four guys knock it out in two days and keep moving i think uh you know time is key as well we've learned to really streamline the process of who goes in who goes out when to get everything going when to do the floors when to do the painting things of that nature too so that was a big learning curve as well like you were saying a minute ago that's kind of like what uh, joey and i do sort of like i'm more of the optimist where i'm like oh uh let's do this this and this and Joey's like, no, this is gonna cost this, this is gonna cost this. Oh, you might be onto this. And then eventually, you know, we agree in the middle somewhere. So, yeah. Yeah, so how do you guys sort of define your role? What are you sort of doing for the partnership? And what are you doing for the partnership? Right. So, so I guess if we had to have a, a, a title to summarize me, I'd be senior advisor because I'm older. <laughs> uh, another term that's gets, that, that gets called around when I show up is uh, quality controls here. Because I'll walk in and say, well, that's not, that should be done this way. Don't do that now because we're going to have to take it apart later and redo it. Yeah. There's one thing I don't like, it's negative work. I don't like going back and doing something again. So we're going to do it right now, the right way, so that when we're way down, I'll give it takes another day or two. It's again, that's, that's my advice. As, yeah. as senior advisor, this is the way we should do it. Uh, and the repercussions of it, we'll eat it. So that's... That's my, usually how I coordinate with Fred. That's how I, I, I uh, contribute. So my role is mostly because I'm doing it full time, mm-hmm. uh, and Anthony works on a day, so I do it full time. My time is I meet with the contractors. I set everything up. I meet with the inspectors. We line up the day's work. We line up the contractors. I pick up any materials that we need to, to keep everybody going. I put it on social media. Always trying to look for leads in terms of buying the houses, yeah. things of that, and also too, you know, I meet with the inspectors as well. Day to day operations, submitting permits, picking permits up, meeting with architects, a lot of uh, ordering parts, as you know, a lot of uh, substitute parts, a lot of on the spot. Oh, we've got this one piece, and we're all going to sit here like this for three hours to get us this one part because now right. we can't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, I'm charging you by the hour. It's like, well, you. So, for, boom, he goes, gets it, comes right back. We'll line all up. That's big value because they'll just sit there. Some contractors, some yeah, yeah, just they, sit there and they, wait until you have, they have the piece they need. So Yeah, or they're not even going to tell you. They're going to go home, and then the next day, you're like, what happened to the guy? And then you call them and, like, hey, Oh, um, yeah, you forgot to buy the drain. Yeah. You know, and, and that, hap- that has happened to me so many times. So it's always just keeping the pedal to the metal, you know, moving yeah. the contractors along, keeping it going, keeping the whole process going. Because not only are we trying to focus on what's going on mm-hmm. at hand at the project, we always have our eyes down the road, how to keep our pipeline of flips busy, you know. Yeah. Every morning we have, we have the MLS hitting us up, you know, sending over to all of our emails, single families, multifamilies. We make a note every night we go over the hot sheet of what house to target, what leads we have. I'll either go out there, scout it, you know, I'll, I'll take a whole video of the house and be like, Anthony, go check this out. I want your approval before we make an offer on it. 
We do that a lot. You know, it's always about what we do it now and what we're doing to keep the pipeline full. Because you don't want to finish all the houses, be like, I have nothing to do right now. You know, it's all about keeping that pipeline full. Communication is key. Yeah, no, definitely. It's it's funny. Like you you bring that up. Uh, I have one property I just listed, and after this, I really don't have much going on. But that's because of COVID and everything. Yeah. Which actually reminds me to ask this question: What have you guys done differently now that COVID has hit and everything? Or did you have you done anything different? Sure. Um, before I answer that, I want to say something that's been my experience: is either everything or nothing. So when you have nothing, put your feet up. Grab up iced tea and chill out. Because when it comes at you, you'll you'll be glad that you took that five minutes to put your feet up. My five minutes, my ten seconds of advice. Yeah. I've seen that over fifteen years. It's always everything or nothing. So translate that. It's like sometimes we go from having seven opportunities at once. You know, like mm-hmm. looking at seven different houses. Like how we gonna grab all these? You know, then all of a sudden, nothing. There's nothing, you know? and it just goes up and down, up and down. So we're kind of like in that lull right now. Mm-hmm. Right. So to COVID, we're in the lull, and that's okay. So take a relax, break. Take a breather. Relax. You know, longevity is key. Uh, so definitely, I didn't expect the housing market to do what it's doing. Nobody ever knows what's gonna happen. If we did, we'd be on our own island right now if we knew how, <laughs> what the market was gonna do, right? So, right. <laughs> but we definitely thought that it would, it would uh, have some effect on house prices. It hasn't. I thought the inventory would, we knew it was short. We didn't think it would be this short. And we're not really changing our operations. We're sort of just going as usual. We're still, Freddie's still doing the best he can to, mm-hmm. to try to get some more leads in and we're doing the best we can finishing our houses. There's really no change to to, to the way uh, things work, in my opinion. It's just there's less things to do, unfortunately. Right, yeah. I mean, we changed, I feel like we changed our strategy a little bit. I mean, in February, we closed on, February and March, early March, we closed on three Clifton two families. When we did the renovations and we put on the market during COVID, this one we closed in February and we kind of had plans to, at first to flip this renovation, but then we did our numbers and then he had a hunch that, hey, you know what, we just couldn't sell the product on the market. We bought it cheap enough that we'd make something and we'd be able to, you know, kind of get out if the market were to tank. And that's when now the stock market dropped 30%. So right. back to reflect what we did before, he had a hunch, I checked my numbers. I was like, all right, let's clean out and try it on the market. So we put it on the market and just people, kind of, kind of, there's a ton of traffic on it. It was the cheapest uh, Clifton two family at the time. So we got a lot of traffic and we just figured that. So we this house originally to flip we ended up cleaning it up and we bought it cheap enough just to throw it back on the market because we did get a little bit concerned about what was going to happen with the market i mean the dow in Mar- end of march just dropped 30 percent. so we're like is this the end of the you know the ride that we're going on this wave with the real estate so we cleaned it up put it back on the market as is and it became we put it as the cheapest clifton two family at the time and we just thought we had a better shot of someone paying top dollar or high dollar because it's under that three hundred thousand dollars price range we put it for 279 versus finishing it and you might in that under three hundred thousand dollar mark we might have twenty buyers or ten interested ten buyers possibly. Mm-hmm. Where if we finish it and get over four hundred thousand dollars, we might have, I don't know, five to eight buyers. So it's kinda it was a numbers game and we just took a shot at it and we got this thing under contract very quick. It's calculated risk. Yeah, I was actually just about to say this yeah. same exact thing. Uh, the market's tanking. Do you risk it, do you not risk it, and we chose not to. The other side of that coin is, oh, I enjoy reading about new ways to do construction. I enjoy watching this old house a lot, a lot. Uh, ideas, ways to do things, efficiency, all great things. I don't want to do that just for the sake of doing it to put a dollar in to get a dollar out. That I'm not a fan of. Yeah. Uh, I could watch a video or I could visit somebody else's job to learn. Um, to put our dollars out, if it's going to sell anyway, even to put a dollar out to get a dollar ten back, not really. It's, it's, there's risk in that. 
things mm-hmm. could go wrong. Yeah. It's not worth it to get 10% more back to carry that risk and carry the house. As you said before, mm-hmm. all the other ancillary bills that are, you're, you're carrying day to day. So that's another thing that we figured here and we figure into every house. It's got to make sense. Not only that, I'm pretty sure you would probably have to have a lot of permits. And I forget when exactly permits pretty much got shut down, but that would just add to your holding cost. I mean, right now, even though COVID is slowly like dying, you know, like we're flattening the curve and everything like that. My property in East Orange, no one is picking up the phones so that way we could do our scheduled inspections. And that's holding up the closing. We would have closed like two, three weeks ago, and we're still waiting for them to call back. Absolutely challenging. Yeah. And just to talk numbers a little bit about that, to put in the numbers form, which is what I do. You know, for example, example numbers. If we buy a house for three hundred, uh, we put it back on the market. We think we get four hundred for it. But if we finish it, the max is four fifty. You know, we just might as well put it on four hundred because anytime we just finish it, just to finish it, mm-hmm. we're going to spend fifty grand more. But we're just we're only going to get fifty grand more, so you're breaking even. There's no point to do that. So exactly. Yeah. I mean, we we did the the same thing when we bought our uh, Nutley property. You know, we, we we figured the same exact math. You know, so yeah, we we did the same numbers. You know, and we analyzed. Hey, you know, instead of spending six months on the renovation. Let's try to spend maybe a month cleaning it out, but it didn't work out that way. But that was our goal, you know, to try to just do a light rehab yeah. and try to maximize the dollar as much. So in that case, it's two things. It's right. It's the one. It's the uh, once the purchase price, right? Mm-hmm. It's always in the purchase price. What you get right. for always in, sees how the deal's gonna go. Of course. And then also to that lower price number could bring a more pool of buyers where you get that competing offer and then you know you're pretty stuck. if you have once it's backup offers it's nice to if anyone pulls out you can keep going yeah exactly just start luck that was at the beginning of covid though so <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> nobody knows what to do i mean yeah. all the hard money loan lenders you know they seized up that kind of got rid of a lot of investors for this yeah and uh you know you have to be open to other things two or three k loans fha loans and you know you have to be creative and whoever wanted it most that kind of made it help made them it out, happen you know? yeah yeah it gave a sh- i think covid gave a shot for a lot of fha buyers to come out finally the woodwork and you know take their shot because no one really wants to deal with fha yeah people so much because of the second inspection they get from the appraisal you know during the appraisals yeah but uh this gave another shot at it definitely definitely yeah definitely i mean uh so i had i had one closing just very recently uh fha buyer they uh it was supposed to close in about 45 days ended up closing in about 65 days you know but i we had it under contract before covid yeah but you know it didn't close until about like what two weeks ago something like that so you know it took a a lot longer you know um so we have another property under contract now uh is actually a va buyer you know Mm -hmm. uh, i kind of told you the story before you know came in with a huge demand list and we're like hey no (laughs) <laughs> yeah they I think they wanted like three four pages worth yeah and then we spoke to them they're like okay we want these like eight things and we're like okay but then the attorney is like we still want these three four pages and eventually they caved but yeah. still yeah I mean they, they had a demand of a $35,000 in credit <laughs> originally and we're like no uh, I'll give you a thousand dollars for the chimney yeah and you know they came back and said oh we'll you know bring it up to three 
Or like, no. Thousand, $2,000. $2,000. $2,000 or, you know, basically we'll just walk. And then the attorney tried one last time. He said, $2,500. We're like, no. $2,000 or we'll walk. That's it. You know, we're tired yeah. of this. Just let's move on to the next phase. So they said, okay, we'll take 2000 You know, so we kind of, you know, I, I like to think we won that battle. Yeah, we did. I think we did. So. They're just doing their job. Attorneys just, yeah. it's just business. They're just doing their job. Yeah, they have to. Yeah. I, I mean, I personally, it, it's, I think of it as like, hey, if, if I, in the future, if I was in that situation, like purchasing or whatever, I would, I would want to use that guy because they're going to bat for their buyer. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Salute that yeah. attorney. They're doing, their job is to get as much money as possible. Your job is to pay a little money as possible. Exactly. Right? So yeah, that's yeah. just, if you, Except that, you, things become a lot easier when you're negotiation because there's no emotion involved. It's offense versus defense. I mean, I've been on the other side of it. As a realtor, I've been times where, you know, my buyer just put, did an inspection mm-hmm. and I'm sitting there like, listen, they have other, they have other buyers, there's a multiple, they have multiple offers, right. you know, be reasonable with your inspection list and they'd be like, you know what, just put it in the, the request. You never know if they, it's all, it's free to ask, free to ask, free to ask. So. <laughs> You know, by the time you know, you in my head, I'll be like, okay, I'm just gonna ask for like maybe a two thousand dollar credit. They come back with everything, thirty thousand dollar credit, like probably like what your buyers got talked into, and mm-hmm. you know, you shoot down and take away all the, you bring back to reality. Yeah. And once you threaten to remove, you know, take the house away from them, you're like, okay, it's just you know, keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And it's I, funny how that works. No, it's funny. I actually had a listing like that where I told them these are the comps, and then they're like, oh, let's list it for twenty k over those comps and I'm like it's not gonna sell at that price that you want it oh but we should we should just try it anyway oh and by the way we have I forgot to disclose this but we have an oil tank underground and we're, we don't plan on paying for that yeah <laughs> well it turned out I was right <laughs> you know like they eventually it sold you know 20 at you know like the where the comps were and they had to remove the tank <laughs> uh, back to the COVID thing before we leave this question something we did do differently is we were carrying single families and multifamilies we made a decision to direct all our efforts towards the multifamilies uh, sorry single families to finish them mm-hmm. and get them sold because we assumed that, that the multifamilies would be lower risk and there'd be a bigger buyer pool uh, should this downturn have been more aggressive than it was right. so we did do that and we unloaded the single families first and then we came back to the less risky properties and we're sitting in right now. And since we started, we've always lived in that ARV after repair value of mm-hmm. 350 to 550 with single family and two families. We like kind of just to do more short-term flips anywhere from start to finish of maybe, I don't know, four to eight, four to six months, four to seven months, where it's more so cosmetic flips is add a bathroom, add this, add that. Mm-hmm. With COVID, we felt kind of good going into COVID with three Clifton two families. If we sell them or flip them, we made money. If we had to rent them, we made money. So we felt pretty good with that. And you know, also too, we kind of enhanced our way of marketing. We did more virtual tours for the first time and YouTube videos of walkthroughs. Yes. And I think we're gonna be doing that more going forward more often. Uh, just because it gets rid of a lot of tire kickers. You know, something like this, we walked, we did a walk through the house. I would send them a link to the YouTube video to other agents that would text me that want to see it. Mm-hmm. Like, look at this first before you bring your buyers because it needs every single thing. It's not ready to go. Right. And that got rid of a lot of the tire kickers or non-serious buyers. And 
you know, I think that really helped us out during our sales too. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree. I feel like I'll be implementing Matterport and for, you know, like the 3D virtual tours and actually if it's a fully renovated property, probably not staging just from seeing the, you know, like the pros and cons, even if it's at a lower price point. As far as staging is concerned, it's funny, I have one property on the market and literally been a little bit more than 24 hours, uh, not even two full days yet. And I have five offers and some of them, or four of the five above asking. So nice. it's insane. And, and, the, and the terms are ridiculous. I, I don't know where all these people came out of, but I feel like the staging definitely helped a lot yeah. compared to some of my previous listings. Wow. Oh, and then same thing like with our two Nutley houses, even during yeah. COVID, like one of them, we got an offer like the first day. Yeah. And then the other like over had, asked. yeah, two over asked. So yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. The, the other, the second one, uh, we had an issue with one of the floor. The floor had like a raised, uh, like a bump. And as soon as we fixed that bump, we started getting offers. In. Really? So yeah, that that pe because people thought it was a structural issue with the house, so we're like, but it's not. Yeah. You know, it was just something that was cosmetic. there. It was cosmetic, but it was a bump. So as soon as we fixed that, we started getting offers. Yeah. So yeah. It, it was crazy. Uh, yeah, no, it's it, it's insane the little things that I think uh, that's another thing we need to start doing from now on. Start asking more feedback just in general and like the no BS feedback like is it literally because of this you know yeah so yeah. and we also think too like with this one we didn't do much but we cleaned it out and one of the biggest eyesores was the retaining wall was 90 degrees just fell down so that was one of the biggest repairs we did to this mm -hmm. other than cleaning it out and putting it back on the market just because I think like you know someone like my mom that doesn't know too much about real estate if she walked through the house what would be the biggest thing that she would call out that would turn her off or someone that's not trained with the eye mm -hmm. of us to see. So I'd have like, you know, someone that if she called that out, you know, that's one thing they need to fix or change. And I think yeah. that helps out a lot to have that mentality. Right. Well, I call out the, the two missing kitchens. Good thing we're already under contract. You might have, uh, yeah, I think they might have missed that, but hopefully, you know. Oh, well, you see a chestnut? Oh. Oh, there's chestnut. We get, yeah, use them uh, up. Yeah, yeah, the beautiful chestnut wood throughout. <laughs> but also too, I think another thing we took the time during COVID because both houses were under con all, you know, all th we had three within two families, one sold already. But as we're under contract, uh, we took the time to kind of build up our marketing campaign. We always had, uh, we always wanted to do a website, mm -hmm. so we took a little bit of time, time to start building the website, and we've been doing that. We built more shirts, we built more uh, business cards. There it is, Metro Fit Realty yeah. shirts. We buy houses. Uh, we're taking time now to start getting in front of bulk mailings, things like that, and things just more, you know, more exploring. Yeah, how like to get more leads. Yeah, like you have a lot more time to focus on those things now. To do the admin work too, because when you're in the field all day, it's hard to get in front of the computer and start doing all that admin work, the calculations, recording expenses, doing spreadsheets, stuff like that. And mm -hmm. now's the time to kind of do that instead of going out in the field and seeing what the contractors are doing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, so um, my my question to you is. Uh, being a realtor, did that help you in your investing business at all? I believe so because I think that we have three skill sets 
as realtors, yeah. project managers, managers, and investors. As realtors, you can ha- kind of have an idea of what's going on with the market. You could see what the houses are doing down the street. You have access to all the data on the MLS. You could pull, you know what, this house is in the compound for this. I think this is a deal. And you could kind of target the deals better. You could also picture what the buyers and sellers are gonna be looking for when they, when they walk through the house. As a project manager, you're more motivated and you can kind of see what's going on, on all sides of it as the, you know, with the realtors and as the, and for the uh, investor. So as also as the investors, you have the, I guess the pressure to get the job done. Mm-hmm. And you're always thinking about what's best for the deal or what's best for the transaction and what's, what's going to get the best results. So I think having those three, being three head monster like that, yeah. gives you a great combination of what's with the market, the best return on investment and just to move everything along smoothly. Yeah, no, that's that's for sure. Because I remember there was one property in Belleville I saw that it was on the MLS. It was listed for two months. No one looked at it. And I was like, hmm, let me take a look at it. Deep, deep dive. Oh, it's a 20 by 100 lot. Okay, so there's no parking. Yeah. But then, uh, I don't know, something told me, like, as I was looking at the tax record, wait, it's it's 1,300 square feet, so it could be a... And it was listed as a two-two, so uh, for anyone two bedroom, two bathroom. Yeah. So I was like, there might be a way to squeeze a third be- bedroom in there, but still, there's no parking. So then I was like, let me let me see if there's a way to add parking. So I googled it, Google Maps. It's right by an empty lot. Yeah. So then I was like, hmm, what's the address of this empty lot? Come to find out, it's the same homeowner, but it's not disclosed on the MLS that they were both selling together at that price. So I was just like, oh snap, value add right there. there. <laughs> yep. I, I bet I know which, which house, house it is. House it is. <laughs> yeah, you gotta do your homework for sure. It's, uh, you gotta do your homework. Just the, the guy does the, the person does the cursory glance, doesn't, doesn't get it. You know, it's yeah. that bird that digs and digs and digs, they get the worm. So sometimes you gotta just dig and find out what you uncovered, like you just did. Mm-hmm. You never know. Exactly. And no offense, but they always say that sometimes contractors don't make as good flippers because they either underbuild or overbuild. You know, sometimes, <laughs> yeah. sometimes they're not in touch with the market. You know, they want to put the best of the stuff. Like you wouldn't put marble everything in Patterson. You don't know. You know, you want to make sure it's going on in the market. Right. Yeah. I mean, I kind of. No offense, uh, Joey. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. I kind of started out that way myself. You know, I uh, when I start started first flipping houses, you know, I wanted to like fix up everything, make everything nice. Because that's what I was used to doing it for my customers, right? But uh, after, but before I did that, you know, I had previous experience working for other flippers, so that told me, hey, I don't need to put the best of the best in every property. It's really based on where you are, how much the house is worth, you know, what you're gonna get out of it, right? Is what you put into it. Exactly. So you can pull up the MLS and say that if you're in a market where the house is sold for three fifty, you can look at all the bathrooms that you know all the houses that sold for three fifty. You mm-hmm. can look at all their bathrooms on the pictures in the MLS. Yeah. And you can say like, hey, you know what? I could get away with a two hundred dollar Home Depot vanity versus a granite or quartz countertop bathroom for seven hundred dollars, eight hundred dollars, because all the other houses did it. I think yeah. that's key. You have to really, and again, that makes you as an investor, you're price conscious. It's not somebody else's money; it's your money. So that kind of gives you a nice drive for it. Course, yeah, for sure. You guys listen to podcasts, you know, videos and things like that. Have any suggestions as far as um, what you guys listen to? So, 
Admittedly, I don't listen to any podcasts. Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, I don't. I'm more interested in the work side of the sales, the social media. I wouldn't say that stuff evades me. I would say I don't even look at it. And I'll admit it, and that's okay. It's okay. Um, Gary Vee doesn't either. I don't. I don't have <laughs> to. So I don't even know who Gary Vee is. So, uh, <laughs> sorry, whoever that is. But I don't. I focus singularly on what my expertise is. And I focus in on that. And like I said, I watch a lot of videos on how to do something. I watch a lot of new technology videos. You know, there's okay. there's there's, uh, there's always um, conferences for new technologies to do houses for ins window installing technologies, flooring, decking techn new technologies. That stuff is what interests me, and I like to devote my time to looking at that because I can look at the social media aspect of it, and you're and you're very all the podcasts there are, but I know I'm not going to pay attention. I just know it, and I'm if I'm not paying attention, it's not worth my time. Mm -hmm. He enjoys that very much. Freddie watches all of it, and then. When we're in the car together, when we see each other, we exchange. I watch this, I learn this. What did you get from watching that thing? So it's sort of divide and conquer. Right. Because uh, if one person had to do it all, you'd be up all night watching podcasts, which most people do anyway. But uh, it's I'm not. I'm sure that's what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Again, I, I focus. No, that's great. I, I love it. I love it because everybody's like, hey, I watch this, I watch that. And then do they really? They, they could say they watch it and then they're like, and then you ask them. How many years have you done? Oh, well, it's just X, Y, and Z. I haven't been able to buy because... And then it's like, well, you're watching all this, but you're not doing. Yeah. So at least you're doing, which is amazing. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, that, that's, again, that's what interests me. And there's a lot of... Even if you watch, for example, again, this whole house. Sorry, I keep bringing it up. Yeah. But if you, they've been doing this for, that's a 10, 15-year-old show. The way they fixed the concrete crack 12 years ago... Type in concrete crash. You'll see the way it fixed 12 years ago. The, the, the episode last year, not the same fix. It's not. There's a new fix. Yeah. Why is there a new fix? Is it a better fix? Is it a cheaper fix? Is it a, a long-term fix? So that stuff matters to me. No, that's great. I, I love that. You know, that's that's not your typical answer, but it's a true answer. Uh, it's very similar to myself. You know, I don't listen to a ton of podcasts and stuff like that. I, you know, do listen to books. You know, I don't read books, but, you know, I do Audible as far as books. Um, I never did that years ago. You know, as a contractor, I didn't read any books. Nothing. You know, I, you know, as far as books, I read comic books, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about you, Freddie? So, like the way Anthony... Like my numbers play Anthony to sleep. Sometimes when he tells me that the material is in concrete, I can fall asleep <laughs> easily. <laughs> you know, but uh, I've, when I started in the real estate, I listen to Bigger Pockets. I know most guys always mm -hmm. go to Bigger Pockets. It's one of the biggest has one of the biggest presence in real estate. And they do have good stuff. They're always doing a good job of innovating. Uh, they come out with a lot of good books too. You know, so I always read that. I just glance around. I just come and go through, skip into the chapters I like. But you know, usually if I'm googling a different topic of what I want to attack, usually Bigger Pockets has a podcast for that. Like this last couple of weeks, I've been trying to really focus on bulk mailings. And it just happens that uh, podcast, bigger podcasts, they did an email, they sent out email lists like every other day, every other day. And that was one of the topics, how to get more leads. And, you know, it just keeps your pulse on the market mm -hmm. of what, what the other guys are doing. You always have to try to not reinvent yourself, but always kind of scale your, scale your business or scale your marketing to different audiences. You know, five, 10 years ago, no Instagram, you know, yeah. Instagram generates a lot of leads for me. People always see I'm fixing houses, buying houses. Uh, and it kind of goes, hey, you know, my someone in my family just passed away. Can you come look at this house? Back to your original question, though, about the whole podcast. It's bigger pockets. Uh, I watch a lot of YouTube videos and just read a lot of blogs too. And that there's all kind of 
overall around bigger pockets. I mean, mm-hmm. there's that one flipping book, I, and there's Right, by Jay Scott. By Jay Scott, yeah. Jay Scott was the one I watched. I read the Jay Scott book. Uh, I think it's called the book on flipping houses. The book on flipping houses, and then <laughs> uh, multifamily millionaire as well was one of them too for rental property, biz- you know, businesses. Mm-hmm. And it's really I just try to always again when I'm interested in something, I Google it and I attack it with reading the top five ten websites. But I have been watching a lot more of your uh, the newbie real estate stuff. I like it. You've had some really great uh, appearances on it, and definitely, definitely. Thank you. Thank you. Absorbing a lot of that information, you know, there's a couple of people I watched out, reach out to my father Instagram now and see what they're doing, and uh, provides a lot of great networking contacts in New Jersey too, which I love it about it. It's local. Yeah, yeah, no, Absolutely. definitely, definitely. So, guys, I guess uh, since we're wrapping up here, what is one piece of advice you would give to someone who's getting started in real estate? Oh, one word, very easy with most things in life: patience. Patience. Patience, patience. Like they say, location, location, location. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, this doesn't happen overnight. Expect to make mistakes. And uh, it's not always about the money. If you could trail, the whole apprentice idea has sort of escaped the side. Tail somebody for free and learn and learn what they did because you may not think you're not making that year your your $50,000 a year salary out of college. Let me tell you something. One mistake in real estate, you guys will attest to it, is a lot more than fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. So, learn, have patience, and uh, make it worth your while. You know, we we try not to come out of the gate and uh, take on the biggest projects. We work slow. We save money for a long time. Invest our own money, and we have patience. That's awesome. Yeah, I would say my three things is one, like I said, mentorship. Right. If you don't know how to do something, just go out there and. Go experience it. See what the other people are doing. See what the bigger guys are doing in the market. You know, there's a lot of people, I feel like a lot of investors are proud of their work, so they don't have no problem having someone come tag along. It just helps with, you're getting that experience, you know? I've seen this before. How do I do this? How do I do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, two, as a numbers guy, uh, with flipping, uh, I'm all about the numbers, right? You gotta break down the property. At the end of the day, if you get your budget right, your numbers are your confidence. I can't say that enough. Your numbers are your confidence. The second confidence booster is your contractors. You have to really develop a good team of contractors that you know that they have your back. They're not just waiting for something to screw up so they can nail you for more money or things like that. Mm-hmm. Numbers and confidence can be my biggest confidence and just pulling the trigger, knowing a deal when you see one. You know, I think my first property, I looked for property for six months. You know, I was getting anxious for uh, my first house I ever bought was six months, but you know what? After looking for six months, I learned, that every single, I learned from every single house I saw so when I saw that deal come in the market, I pulled the trigger within an hour. I sent the offer, and that's when you know just from putting yourself out there so much and learning. No, I get it. It took me over a year to even make offers for, or okay, maybe about six to eight months before making offers uh, in real estate, and then it took over a year to actually get something under contract. So, you know, it takes a lot of time. Yeah, it does take a lot of time. I mean, I started. I started going to like networking events and things like that for about two years before I did my first uh, basically fix and flip. You know, yeah. you know, I mean, for myself, not for other people, because you know, as a contractor, I'm working for other people, but I'm not really involved financially, yeah. so there's no risk to me as a contractor. So you know, when so you have your own money in it, it's totally different. Different money. mindset, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And a uh, fun fact. Our first project, mm-hmm. it wasn't together, but we, it was the sale date, right? Yeah, I think. 
we both sold our first project the same day. Right. Yeah. But we and, and we found out like just maybe a couple months ago. Right. It meant to be. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are synced. Yeah. <laughs> Another key thing is that, you know, you always read about it. If you have fun with what you're doing, you're never gonna work a day in your life. I truly feel like I've left the couple world and I'm all about this, you know. And you know, when I left the corporate world to go do this, people like my father, my, my parents, Anthony, they kind of, they questioned me, like, is this sure you want to do it full time, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just said, you know, if I'm not having fun, I'll go back to work. If you see me not having fun, I'll go back to the corporate world. Mm-hmm. And since then, you know, I've never looked back. Yeah, um, I, go ahead, sir. I can't believe I forgot, I can't, I'm disappointed in myself that I forgot to bring that up. I always tell Freddie, the day we stop having fun, we stop doing this. Because uh, there's a hundred ways to make money in New Jersey and mm-hmm. do something else you like. But yeah. absolutely. We, we have fun every day. We eat, breathe, and sleep it. You know, the morning we wake up, we have probably 50 phone calls a day together, making sure every cover everything. It's just a good balancing act, you know, because I mean, not, we just balance each other out, you know? Yeah, you, you cover each other's bases, you know? Uh, we do the same thing, you know? So, um, yeah, because, you know, we're, I wouldn't say we're opposite, but, you know, um, he has his, his skill sets and I have my skill sets, you know, so we kind of cover each other. And it covers each other way too, because there's so many times we're like, let's go look at this house. We look at the house. And then either he likes it, I don't like it, or vice versa. And we have to always challenge each other to bring up the good points. So I know that when I'm going to look at it, I have to have like five strong points and balances, right? He'll give me, you know, he'll tell me why I don't, why we shouldn't get it. I'll tell him why we should get it. And we try to bring up good points to each other. And sometimes we get the house, sometimes we don't get the house. We always, mm-hmm. it's, another, it's always great to have another pair of eyes. And I know that he's got my back and I have his back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, same here. Like we, we look at it, we look at the purchase price. Like, do you think this makes sense? Or should we go lower and then, you know, kind of go from there? Yeah. And what, what's the strategy, you know, behind it? Are we going to just fix and flip it? Are we going to try to wholesale it? Are we going to wholetail it? You know, are we going to rent it out? Like, you know, so we, we kind of try to figure out what's the best use on the property too. Yeah. Like you know, the highest, sure you guys are doing yeah, highest and be- best use based off time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's be creative. Know. It keeps you creative every single day. Every single house is different. Every single situation is different. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to get creative with what you're going to do with it. You have to get creative when you buy it. Is there tenants in it? How do you get the tenants out? Is it cash or keys? Is it let them rent it for another two months? You have to be creative. And it comes, you should have to think outside the box a lot of times too in this business. No, exactly. Like uh, with uh, another one of my buddies, uh, I've been starting to do a lot more like uh, talking about like seller finance because some of these deals going on now the equity isn't there what's one of the biggest things you've learned uh being a real estate agent here so as a real estate agent a flipper one of the biggest challenges you see is that you know a lot of times when you're selling it when you're selling a house that you don't own Mm -hmm. a lot of other realtors other people come and say hey can i buy the house off market and you know what's not your house if you get hit the knock the deal out and they give you full asking great you know you could do the deal but the mentality with the owner, if you're, if I, if I own the house and I'm a real estate agent and I'm list, I'm amping it up to say it's coming on the market, mm-hmm. a lot of people come at you and be like, hey, can I buy off market? They don't want to compete. So as yeah. the owner, there's not much advantage to putting, not putting it on the market because someone can tell you they want it off market. You sign a contract with them, and they waste your time for two months, and that's money out the window of carrying costs. So we make a rule that we always try to list our properties when we're done flipping it because. There's just no advantage to not doing it, you know? You never know if the price is going to go higher mm-hmm. or sometimes it can go lower. So once you have it listed, you always have power and you have more leverage as the owner. It, it definitely makes sense because like one of the houses that I sold, it was the second one I ever sold. I put it on the market. I didn't even put it on the market yet. I just put it on Facebook. Yep. 
and then uh, one of my friends reached out that he wanted to buy it and you know usually tire kickers but he was like dead serious he came and saw it and then after like they wrote up an offer they're like oh we have an agent and like I felt like such an ass yeah. like I was just like uh really don't want to pay an agent if no, we're doing it's, this it's agent yeah. to it's buyer to buy buyer to sell yeah exactly but regardless I know I could have gotten significantly more if it was on the market and not only that after they bought it they started complaining about certain things to me afterward because they were my friends yeah and I'm just like dude like I I did nothing with the plumbing like I you, you can't blame me for that <laughs> awesome mentality too right this is an example you tell your friends hey I have an awesome house on the market they come see it no matter what I think you're asking too much that's their mentality right they walk away mm -hmm. But if you don't even tell them that it's going on the market, you say, hey, I just listed this. They come see it, and then they say, hey, it's too much. They're like, okay, I have three offers. And then they, once you see that they have three offers, and they start thinking, like, okay, maybe that is a good deal. Three other people think it's a good deal. Right. And then, then you have more leverage to not sell it for a, a below asking price. Be like, let me know what you want to do. I can tell you where you have to be because, you know, you're my friend, but you have all the advantage, and it's all the... All yeah, the you have the, all the insider. And their mentality, it's the mentality, too. You know, they think they're... Anyone that hears the word off-market, I think they're going to get a deal because they're not competing against anybody. Right. Yeah. Which is music to our ears as investors and home buyers. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah. on the other side of it, <laughs> you don't want to pay. It's different. Yeah. I did the same thing. Uh, I just sold a house in December, uh, not as an agent, but as an owner. And we, at that time, before we got it under contract, we I didn't even have the kitchen in yet. But the buyer saw everything else and they loved it. So that she's like, okay, listen. Don't put it on the MLS, I'll buy it, you know, and again, I didn't even have the kitchen in yet, no cabinets, nothing. You know, in the end, we gave it a great product, but I know, and my other partner knows, that we could have gotten way higher than what she offered us to buy the house if we had put it on the market, you know. The best thing you could do is say, I'll let you know, I'll, let you, I'll always give you the opportunity to match it. Yeah. If you always give the opportunity to match it, that's fair game because you are getting higher, you mm -hmm. know. Well, I mean, in, in fairness it, it for us, um, we, we did save a lot of time because we yeah. went under contract, like I said, before we had the kitchen and stuff like that. And uh, during that entire time, you know, we were doing all the paperwork and things like that. So it gave me some time to finish up the property. Hit the ground running. You know, um, and then once we finished, basically, like the day we finished was the day we closed. Yeah, that's great. You know, so it, it did help a little bit. Like we didn't have to stage the property. You know, um, her... Her basically inspection like wish list as as they all have right was very very minimal. Yeah. You know, even yeah. the home inspector that came, he was like, "Oh, this is great." You know, so we we didn't get killed with that part, which was good. Yeah. So you know, it could go both ways, but again, I I also knew that we could have gotten higher, but then we would have had to spend more money too at the same time. Yeah. So you know. So exactly. it can go both ways. Kind of wrap it up. How can people get in touch with you guys, uh, either on social media, you know, email, you know, phone number, Facebook, whatever. Yeah, so I'm on Facebook, Freddie Nori. It's my uh, tag on Facebook. And then Instagram as well. I'm big on Instagram. I'm always showing my newest projects, my newest houses, houses I'm selling for my clients, houses I'm selling for myself. Mm -hmm. That's also Freddie Nori on Instagram. I'm also on LinkedIn. Also, MetroFitHomes.com. Uh, that's a site where we offer our service of buying houses. You could go there, type in your home address, your name, and the contact, and we'll get back to you within 24 hours with a cash offer. Or call or text 973-500-8010, and we'll get back to you. Nice. Thank you uh, for being on the show today. Thanks again for having us. It's 
Yeah. We love what you guys do and keep up the good work. You know, you guys really get, bring a lot of inspiration and always want, I'm always watching to see what everybody else is doing and just always learning from it. Yeah, thank you. I mean, you know, I've been following you for a while too, you know, so. Same here. It's the same, you know, mutual. Thank you for having us. Keep sharing the knowledge. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for having us. Um, and like and subscribe. Yes, take care everyone.